What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. So today I am sharing an episode that I did with my friends Jeff Hain and Ruby Sherry on Ruby's show, 100% Real with Ruby. So in this episode, we covered a lot of topics. Um, Really, the title of this was Training Nutrition and Mindset for a Leaner, Stronger Body. Um, So we've really got into a lot of the common struggles that we see the women we coach are struggling with when they start the coaching process. So a few examples are common mistakes people make when they're trying to get a lean defined body when it comes to both training and nutrition. Why so many people have dieted for years and still don't have the body they want. Um, why maintenance, building, and diet breaks are so important and really why this whole phasic dieting and training approach that we use is such a big piece of um, physique transformation as a whole. And then finally, why you might be focusing on the wrong things in your training and why sensation might not be as important as you think it is. All right. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into the show. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. I am really excited today because I have two people who talk on ends about the importance of building muscle and where training comes into it. And with it, it seems like in the last year or so, there are more and more bullshit, like myths coming out and just bullshit we're all seeing online with how people are training to lose weight. And I feel like it's because we came out of like the whole lockdown thing that it's like people just have monkey brain. But regardless, it's it's like a pursuit of wanting a leaner body without realizing that that leaner body, although it looks lean, although it looks defined, is not done by dieting your way there. And you don't really train to get lean because it's the whole picture. And training to get lean is training to build muscles. So with that, here are Jeremiah and Jeff, and I'm going to let them lead off with common mistakes people make when wanting to get that lean defined body. Um, so thank you for having me and I'm honored to be here with Jeremiah as well. Uh, I think this will be a really good chat, but I think, so any, basically just common mistakes when people are trying to like, get, I, I think the first thing, like you mentioned was, was the training. I think the, the way people train, they think that they want to, like you said, they, you know, they, they want to tone up. So then they associate that with like doing a lot of volume, but also a lot of that volume is like very far away from failure. And it's also like high rep. I feel like that's probably the most common thing that you'll see in terms of like training. Um, and why that is a problem, I feel like is because we know that to build muscle, you, you need intensity to be there. Right. So like you want to make sure that you're, you know, a couple reps within failure. And a lot of times when people train that way, they end up stressing their cardiovascular system more than, um, they actually stress their muscles. Right. And and the other issue with that too, is not only are they not close enough to failure, it's also accumulating a lot of like, like junk volume too, essentially, because, uh, I don't know the actual studies on this, but I know there's a lot of research out there that shows that like that type of training is actually very fatiguing too. And the other issue with that type of training is you, you probably need to get closer to failure when you start to go higher with your reps. So like, and, and that type of training just sucks. Like I, I know you guys have probably done that type of training before where, you know, once you get over 15 reps, it's just like, dude, this freaking sucks. Um, 
And so it's really hard to get to failure. So like, to me, that's probably the most common thing. And so like, basically what happens there is it's just accumulating a ton of junk volume and you, you get that feeling that you're working hard, but you're not doing what you actually want to do. You're not stimulate. Like, I think, I think too many people just think they use their muscles and that's, what's going to cause muscle growth, but we have to go like that will work in the beginning, but you have to go a little bit deeper than that. Once you get to um, a certain point. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my big one there uh, that I, that I commonly see. Yeah, I get to do more with all that. I mean, I think from a training perspective. So again, the question was like common mistakes when trying to get lean, correct? While training and nutrition. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's such a big one where again, like if we look at like how do we define like when people talk about the lean look that they're wanting, it's typically yes, you have less body fat, but it's also typically you're gonna have more muscle than you have currently, right? So like as Jeff said, I think one of the biggest things with most clients is Typically, one of the first things we're working through is making sure that you're training with adequate intensity, that you're actually getting close enough to failure to actually stimulate new muscle growth. Because again, like I'm basically just repeating what you said. So I very I agree with your points there very much. Where, but I also think like so many people, if we can just get intensity and execution, I think so many people think that they need to come and do like more volume, for example, right? And that's like the missing link. They just aren't good enough at pushing themselves hard enough. Or I shouldn't say hard enough, but like rather like they think they need to do more. And a coach is going to motivate them to do more. Whereas I think like I would ask you guys' perspective, but it's it's so incredibly rare. I would say like hardly ever does someone start and we're like, oh, yeah, you actually do need to do more volume, right? It's almost always, hey, we pull things back. We're probably going to do less volume. You probably need to be doing less training days per week than you were, but we need better execution we need better intensity within your movements. And those are like the biggest areas of progress. And like most people in the scenario where like that is the low hanging fruit can typically see like a nice little recomp effect at the start of coaching, which is like, that's the most common thing we address. So within, I think like the training, that's probably the biggest thing from a nutrition perspective. Um, I think it's just consistency with tracking. And also I think that there's a lot in the industry right now that is like, hey, you can just eat all your favorite foods. And like this might bother some people to hear, but like this shit's just going to be easy as long as you sign up for my program. And honestly, I think like <laughs> it's pretty misleading and it like gets people in this mindset of like, oh yeah, I can just like play that if it fits your macros game like so hard. There's no type of structure that days people are just like, and again, like we want our clients to have flexibility. We want our clients to have food freedom. That's not at all what I'm saying. The reality is like losing body fat for most people, you are going to have to be pretty dialed in. You are going to have to be pretty consistent. And the reality is there will be a lot of times where we're probably not going to be able to indulge as much as we want to. But I think like that idea has kind of gotten skewed. Um, and literally people just getting too like quote unquote flexible or playing macro tetris too much, trying to fit in too many flexible foods really it starts to be in this place where like, Hey, well on paper, it looks like I'm hitting my macros, but little did we know, like there were all these things that we overlooked because I ate out at restaurants seven times this week. There were like seven meals that I underestimated by hundreds of calories. And again, like it's not what everybody wants to hear, but the reality is like so many people I think are trying to lose fat in that manner currently. And from my perspective, from a fat loss space, it's like the Jordan lips. I always quote, we've brought Jordan lips up twice already. So shout out to Jordan. Um, But um, he has, he had a post that was like, your calorie deficit shouldn't be like when you're trying to live your best life. And I think that's such a good analogy where it's very much like 
it's from my perspective, like we can make that shit last two years, or you could realistically probably see the same amount of fat loss in three to six months if we just buckle down, get it done with, and get back to maintenance where you have more food flexibility. You can't eat more sooner rather than later. Um, so those are kind of my initial thoughts there. Um, if you don't mind me just jumping in real quick, I was going to kind of go off the volume thing. I feel like that volume is is a big one too, where people think they need to do a ton of volume. This was actually a conversation I had twice. Uh, I feel like the last two days, one with a client, one without the first, the one client was a male and he was kind of like, I think I need more volume. And, you know, I always go to back to like a lot of people, like, I, I mean, I had this realization that like, I always thought I had to do more volume, but like now that I'm more focused on like execution and like making the most out of each rep, you find that you need way less volume to like, I, I couldn't even imagine doing the volume that I used to do. I feel like if I can either. You're right. Like it, it's crazy to me. And I told him basically like from there, it's like, you want to break it down from like, not only like you want to make sure, you know, you're focusing each workout, but also break it down, you know, each, each exercise you want to make sure you're focused, but then even break it down even more, make sure that you're focused for each set. And then honestly break it down even more from there and make sure that like each rep you're, you're focused on. And then to go off of a, another conversation I had, um, this was like a strategy call I did with somebody and they just came to me struggling. They weren't like seeing like the glute growth that they wanted. And so like, I already had an idea kind of of what was going on as I started talking to her, but then I dove into her training a little bit more and, um, you know, come to find out, I was like, what, what does your training look like? I'm like, do you track? No, she doesn't do any tracking for her training. Right. That's obviously mistake. Number one there. I mean, as you guys both know, like if we don't track what we're doing regularly, it's so easy to, uh, not progress. Cause I know there, like, there's been many times where if I didn't look at my log, like, I would have fallen a couple reps short for sure. Right. And like over time, that's, mm-hmm. that's gonna, that's gonna add up. Um, and I do think that you don't necessarily need to beat your logbook every time you go in, because that can lead to poor execution, but you know, there's definitely times where you kind of have to check yourself and um, beat that. But also the other thing, and I knew this was exactly how the training was going to be. It was, it was high rep. You know, she said it was mostly like for glute training it was mostly over 15 reps. Um, and it was circuit style. And I was just like, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's it right there. Like that's, that's kind of the big thing that, that you will see when people want to grow their, a certain body part, it's okay, let's do circuits. Let's do, uh, as much volume as we can high rep type stuff. And it's like, that just probably isn't the best for, for building muscle. So I just wanted to go off of that, but I agree hundred percent, Jeremiah, on what you said about, um, the food quality. That's super important. I know you had a post on that yesterday about how important uh, food quality is. And I think you said there was something about like the thermic effect, like that you don't burn as many mm-hmm. calories, the thermic effect, the food goes down a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the thermal effect is going to be a little bit lower. There is more even, and I don't ever want people to take this as me saying like, hey, you shouldn't eat any processed foods, for example, or you should never like have meals out. That's not realistic or sustainable for most people. But again, especially like like what I said in that post is especially if we're getting to the part of the fat loss where like it is getting pretty grindy, you're not losing the way you want. We even know like at least in the US, like they're allowed to round down the, the calories in something by up to 20% on the label, right? So even then like, if we're eating a ton of foods that are coming out of a package, even then, like there's a lot of room for disparity. And again, I'm not saying by any means you should never eat foods out of a package. I definitely do. But like, if we're in this place where it's, Hey, like I'm not seeing the results I want, I'm constantly dieting and I'm still not losing. It probably makes sense for us to like skew that a little bit more towards this whole less processed foods. Um, but I don't, that's, that's kind of my thoughts there. I want to add to like both of you, but I want to start off with what we just ended with and keep in mind as well that the food choices that you do make not only impact in terms of like whole foods have a higher thermic effect compared to processed foods, but if 
it's impacting your gut health and digestion and it's making your gut uneasy. Like if you eat some processed food and then you're bloated or whatever it is, that's going to impact your energy and performance through the day. That's going to impact your ability to actually extract the nutrients from the food. And that is going to impact your body composition because it makes muscle building harder because now your gym performance is down. And it's going to make sticking to your diet harder because now you feel like shit. You probably would have this big guilt and then you don't want to eat properly that the next meal. And then that's going to make you eat even more at the following meal. And it's just this domino effect. And then the same with the volume. People think that the more into training you get, the more volume that you need, but you actually would need less. Like as a beginner, you can get away with like, quite a few sets on things because you're not lifting as heavy of a load. But as you increase your advancedness, you're going to be using heavier load. And as Jeff said, there is a massive fatigue to that. And I also feel like, because this was me, people find it hard to detach from the volume because although you're fatigued and smashing your way through, maybe hating it while you're doing it because it hurts, you feel like it's working and yeah, it can look like you're getting results and feel like you're getting results, especially if it's pump work because now you're filled with blood and it's like, oh, look, my gains. And especially if you're dieting, it's like, oh my God, I'm growing so much muscle in my diet. No, you're just losing the body fat on it and it's just looking pumped up. But I feel like people get married to that feeling. So they find it hard to detach from, this is really working for me to get these results and grow my glutes. But it's because this was me. It was so hard for me to detach from it after I realized. It's like I built so much muscle doing powerlifting training and being a powerlifter. But then as soon as you get caught up in, this is probably why the whole COVID thing led to what it did, but you get caught up in let's just do even more reps, bring in more tension and fatigue because we don't have a lot of weights to lift at home and blah, blah, blah. Then that feeds into you taking it into the gym and now it's hard to divorce from that so it's like hey I did get better results not doing that before but now this is all I know this is what's getting me results if I go back to that I'm not going to get the same results but as humans we're so short-sighted and short memories and whatever the hell else but that also bringing it back to what Jeff said just because you use your muscles doesn't mean that there's muscle growth and there's plenty of research on this as well like doing the hip thrust doing like anything in the shortened range for the glutes, glute bridge, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that is where you're going to feel the most muscle activity. That's where you're going to feel the most pump. But it's in the lengthened ranges that you usually get the most tension, but also at the same time, that's more fatiguing. But that's where a lot more growth comes from. You want to use both, but you're going to want to keep thrusting because, oh my God, my glutes are pumped. Oh my God, I feel this more. Well, no shit. But it doesn't mean you're growing it. So I'll let you guys take off that too. Yeah. Go for it. I, I didn't I didn't really have anything to add. I just I know that Jer- Jeremiah's a little bit better with the length and shortened uh than me. I know that that's definitely one area that uh I, I definitely need to learn a little bit more. But um yeah, I know that it's probably a good idea to, to train in both. Um, you know, you might want to bias the length and more, but I, I think they both have their, their place for sure. Cause I know there's kind of that myth now going around that like, oh, should you only train in the lengthen? But it's like you definitely want to make sure you do some because I know that you know, obviously Lincoln's going to have a little bit more fatigue with it. Um, 
obviously you're going to see more growth, but you're also going to get more fatigue with it. Um, shortened your, you're going to see a little less muscle growth, but you're not going to get as much fatigue with it, but that's probably the type of training that you want to probably ramp up your volume with. That's kind of my understanding of it right now. Um, uh, so I don't know, Jeremiah, if there's anything you want to kind of clean up there with that, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, on it. No, no, I think that's pretty spot on really with, I think to Ruby's point, like so many people do, I think people just go consider this and they look to, okay, what feels the best. Right. And that's like, almost always a short and overload movement movements of this hardest and short position is going to be the one where we're going to have a little bit better we're going to feel like a better contraction so like the example of like a glute bridge versus if we looked at like a bit knee romanian deadlift for example you're going to feel your glutes more in that glute bridge but we're probably going to simulate more growth in like that bit knee romanian deadlift but it's so easy to like same thing if we're looking at like a booty band side shuffle right where like yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's going to be pretty short. And there's not going to be hard the knee tension there. It's not actually going to do shit to grow your glutes. But yeah, you'll feel it more. But I think it's so easy to just get so caught up in sensation. And like to Ruby's point, to get to focus on just like basically short movements, right? Like if we think about like the movements that we would do, if we were just focused on how like the sensation, it would basically all be like, I would probably do like chest flies, um, delt flies, I would still probably do, I probably wouldn't do like an incline bicep curl. I'd probably do like a spider curl or something that of that nature. And like, I would definitely do a hamstring curl instead of like a really deadlift variation. But again, those aren't going to be the ones, those for the most part, we know those aren't the movements that are actually going to yield the most hypertrophy. So I think it's also easy to just get too caught up in sensation. And again, like just neglecting the importance of training like muscle tissue in the LinkedIn position as well. But yeah, they're, they're for sure both important um i typically and i think we're all in, a, in agreement here i think you're underselling yourself how much you actually know about this chef <laughs> but um because I, I i know you know all this very well but i think we're all in agreement yeah we should probably train both there's like potentially some regional hypertrophy benefits as well to like training both short and like that's an interesting one that i don't think there's like anything concrete on but i know there has been some more research on that lately it's pretty interesting um, I know we talked about this a little bit with Brandon, I, or I talked about this a little bit with Brandon the Cruz actually, which also Jeff, it feels weird to have be on a podcast with you and not have Brandon here. It's yeah. like <laughs> Jack Italian dad isn't here that anymore. Jack, it's like Jack. our Australian mom, our Jack yeah. Australian mom. <laughs> our Jack dad that's the same age as us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have to out. get him onto here like next yep. time. I love this chat. Yep. Uh, but anyways, I, I don't know about Yeah, I did want to just touch on that part as well. You mentioned the, wait, what was it? The shortened. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people, like people don't actually think about what's the intention behind this exercise. They just do it. But when you're doing the shortened range of motion, like, yeah, it's getting the pump, but what's the pump getting? The pump is bringing more blood to that muscle. It's giving you more like more non-functional hypertrophy just to make it like make sense for everybody like there's functional hypertrophy which is the actual muscle fibers and then there's sarcoplasmic which is a non-functional which is all the other stuff but it's like that stuff also contributes to muscle growth but you need to pick the right exercises for the reps you do as well like doing a friggin 30 rep squat you're not gonna get the like the right stimulus out of that to actually get stronger and i think people discount the benefits of getting stronger, not only to complete body composition and getting leaner, but building muscle. Like 
for me, I would probably expend three times the calories in a training session than someone who's a beginner lifting light weights for everything. Because for my Romanian deadlifts, for example, because I strengthened that in the like four to eight rep range, when I do 15 reps, I'm doing 15 reps with 90 kilos or 200 pounds, like 15 reps with 200 pounds slash 90 kilos versus someone who's doing that with like less weight. It's like that is going to lead to a lot more muscle growth and it's going to require you to do a lot less work for that as well. So why make shit harder for yourself when there are phases that you'll go between? And I guess this kind of feeds into the next question with the fact that people automatically think, hey, I'm going into a fat loss phase. Let's add in a boatload of cardio in here. Again, there's the fatigue people don't think about, but that's one of the biggest issues, which kind of ties into the third question, which is people who have dieted for years and they still don't have the body they want because of the approaches they take. Yeah. So I, I think the question is like, basically you've had somebody that's like been dieting for years, trying to get lean and they're still like not satisfied with, with their look. Right. That's, that's kind of what you're talking about. And like, yeah. So, so I think there, I think with, with that person, again, they're probably just, to me, this, this type of person is probably somebody that's just overly focused on like scale weight and like what that's doing. And like, so for them, I, I feel like the common trap is like, you know, they, they keep wanting to see that scale weight go down. And then anytime they see it go up, you know, then they like slash calories again, and then they try to like ramp up cardio. And so like, you kind of get in this never ending cycle, but also to go back to what we had talked about earlier, like if you, if you keep dieting down and you're not happy with your look, like to me, it's probably your approach of dieting down. That is the issue, but also you probably do need to add a little bit more, um, muscle to, to your frame. Right. And so like, obviously the first thing that would come to mind here is, you know, you probably need to take a break from like fat loss and like the fat loss mindset, right? Like you have to be okay with having your scale weight stay the same and potentially going up. Although I could argue with this person, you know, I think if you just get this person just out of a deficit and into maintenance, I think you would, they would see a lot of change in their body, right? Cause they would just be putting their body in a much better position to um, want to, to build muscle, right. You, you know, you just kind of clean up their training a little bit, make sure like they're basically doing the things that we talked about earlier, where they're just not, not training for fat loss anymore. Right. Actually training for muscle growth. And again, this doesn't mean you're going to look like a Jack bodybuilder after a week or two of doing that, you know, you do that. Um, but also get them just, you know, eating a little bit more protein, uh, you know, because again, it probably what I see, what we commonly see is, you know, when a lot of people diet down, they don't really have any focus on protein. It's usually just, just get that weight off. I don't really care like what that weight is. It's just get the weight off as soon as possible. So they, you know, go low protein. So I think just getting their protein up would be a big thing, um, for, for that person. Um, and, and yeah, so I think really the big thing though, is just going, getting away from like fat loss. Like I think for that person, that's the biggest thing, you know, just getting them back up to, to around maintenance and, and cleaning up the training. Um, I don't know if Jeremiah, if there's anything you wanted to, to add to that. Yeah, I think you hit on most of the points where really, I think most of the time with an individual like that, um, we also see like, hey, you don't have the physique you want yet. You're typically relatively lean. But also like a lot of times it's like, I think typically no matter what, getting them out of the diet, at least for a period of time, is going to be one of the biggest pieces of this. 
Now, oftentimes, like you, you mentioned the diet mindset, like getting them out of the diet mindset, where it's, it's also not often that I see like someone coming and it's like, oh, wow, you're just absolutely shredded. Like you're so vascular. You're literally too lean for it to be healthy. That's not always the case, but it's oftentimes just like, hey, you've been in this mindset of dieting or restricting for so long that like that's sometimes causing you to fall off. Maybe, maybe on the weekends, like maybe there's two to three days a week where you're really struggling with this. So like you always feel like you're dieting, we're also not seeing you get any leaner. And then alongside that, it's very common because this conversation is specific to women. Um, and it's very common, as you said, for one of the main issues here be like, you just don't have enough muscle on your frame to look as, look the way you want. Like even if we did get you absolutely shredded, you still wouldn't necessarily have the shape you want because all your focus has been on burning calories. Now, this sounds like very stereotypical. I'm just like talking to you, like, this is the most common, like anytime I bring on a new call or I like have a call with a new client, I'd say like 90% of the time it's like this conversation. So this is just me speaking for manic, but I don't want to like apply this to everybody, but it's almost always like, Hey, you just been so focused on just trying to burn calories and like thinking like just weight loss as just that is the solution where for so many women, like, what I've seen is it's almost always for guys, their goal physique is actually like 15 to 20 pounds lighter than they want it to be, right? I think like we typically overestimate how much muscle we actually have, where it's normally like, hey, dude, yeah, you're actually going to have to be quite a bit leaner to look the way that you want. I know for me, like my first fat loss phase, I thought like I'm going to have to lose five to 10 pounds and I'm going to be ripped. And then it was like, okay, 35 pounds later, now I'm there. I think for women, it tends to be the other way around where almost always, um, at least what I've seen is a lot of times women will correlate like, okay, in high school, I weighed this amount and I felt great. So I should weigh that again. But again, it's like when we're adding muscle to your frame, which is again, like the physique you want now, and it's probably different than the physique you had then, we're going to, we literally, that requires us adding weight to your frame, your muscle mass. So it's almost always going to be a good bit heavier than you expect. Um, but it's a very similar to what we talked about before, where again, it's like, we do need to typically take time away from the deficit, even if it's not like, hey, you're literally too lean for it to be healthy and you need you out for that reason, just to get away from that mindset. And then also to put clients in a better position to actually be able to build muscle, right? You know, rate of muscle protein synthesis is going to be suppressed in the deficit, muscle break, muscle protein breakdown is going to increase a bit. So, like as a whole, we're just going to be in a position where we're better fueled, we're better recovered after we're out of deficit. We're going to be able to add more muscle tissue, and then in the future, like when you do enter a deficit again, you'll have a lot more muscle, and you'll be happy with that shape you have basically at the end of that process. It pro- probably at a higher, like a little bit of a higher body weight, and I would also say that it probably that fat, that next fat loss phase is going to be a little bit easier. You almost, I almost like call this like you just aren't going to have like. I don't want this again, this goes back to like, oh, the processed food, like, oh, I can do what I want and enjoy, but this doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Like you're still going to have to make sacrifices, but I almost feel like you don't have to dig as deep to get like as lean as you were in the past too. Like, I feel like that's one of the benefits of, of taking time to do that. Um, one other thing I want to hit on off, like it, this came up as Jeremiah was talking is like, I also feel like this type of person too, it's, it's almost like dialing back training almost. And like, trying to lower stress from, from that standpoint. Right. Cause I feel like these, I'm sure you can attest to this, Jeremiah, to this, this type of person usually is like, just like they're, they already have a lot going on outside of the gym. And then they come in and they're like, Oh, I want to work out this many times a week. I can't work out any less than that. And it's like, look, you're also the, the, the training that you're doing too, is like, you you need to like feel yourself for what you're doing. You're just trying to do too much. Right. And your body is adapt, like your body's just adapting to, to what you're doing to it. And I think that's what people forget. And they don't realize is like, you're just essentially 
like your body's adapting to what you're doing to it. So if you're high stress, training a ton, not eating a lot of calories, your body's just going to be very efficient with the, the energy you give it. Right. And it's going to be very tough to um, try to, to lose body fat. Um, but I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to, Oh, the, the weight loss aspect of it too. This, I made, I made this case in a, uh, in a blog post I did, but like too many people just try to focus on just weight loss when at the end of the day, like in the, to the environment we live in, like a lower body weight also means you're going to be expending like less energy. So like, it's almost good to like build muscle and like not necessarily see your weight go down because you're still going to be able to like, like, you're not going to see that decrease in body weight, which in most cases means that you're going to be expending like less calories, like throughout the day, right? Like your metabolic rate's almost going to go down. So by keeping your body weight the same, maybe building some muscle, maybe seeing it go up a little bit, like you're also keeping your metabolic rate a little bit higher by, by doing that as well. And I think that's an aspect that people kind of overlook when they just keep trying to like lose more and more and more weight. I think that's something a lot of people don't actually look to because they're too busy focusing on the immediate. So they feel like the struggle is always going to be hard to lose weight, but they don't realize that muscle is metabolic and that your scale weight is the worst progress marker over time. Because if you look like a year, two years, three years from now, if you do things right, that 65 kilos is going to look completely different with more muscle mass over time. So you could be wanting like 60 or 55 on a scale because it's like this random number. I'm just throwing numbers out there that are easy for you to like see even as someone who does pounds. But like it's it's like this attachment that only stops you getting that body that you want. And like Jeff said, people feel like because they don't have the body they want that weight loss is the only solution. Dieting is the only solution. Because, hey, I have this higher percentage of body fat versus seeing it. It's And then people argue it's not that they're under-muscled. It's that, that some people don't want muscle. They just want to lose fat. Well, yeah, muscle building muscle doesn't mean you're going to become a bodybuilder overnight. It makes you look leaner. And just because you're building muscle does not mean you're going to get bulky and fat. If you do it right, you're not going to get bulky and fat. And if you failed that before... Maybe you should actually be real with the effort you are putting in, the consistency you are putting in, the types of food like we spoke about that you were eating. How consistent were you with your tracking? What effort were you bringing to the gym sessions or were you training like a pansy and skipping a session every single week? Like, but by pansy, I mean like treat, I like to say stop lifting like a princess because that's what I used to say to myself when I was lifting. I used to like pick the lightweights and like lift like a princess and like my lips would be closed. And now I see like so many females doing that. It's like, stop lifting like a princess, like get aggressive with your bracing and breathing. Not only because that's going to help your body composition, composition, because now you can lift more weight because, Hey, you're bracing. It's going to protect you from injury, but it's also going to leak into your confidence in the gym because now you're realizing you can put more force behind the weight and it doesn't feel as heavy. You're not going to get injured because everything just lines up better. And something else she said is, yeah, I see this a lot with females because they they tend to be the busy ones of their household. They want to do like five sessions a week because they feel like they're going to get better results out of five sessions versus four. Wait, yeah, okay, cool. That's cool if you're a bodybuilder, but you have life outside of that. And if you're not taking that into consideration, it's going to start to feel like a chore over time. Like, yeah, you might love it, 
because you're mentally telling yourself you love it because you think it's going to get you better results. But what's happening outside of that? And how is that leaking into your fatigue and your performance in that session? Because I was married to five days after COVID because I was so used to it. And I'm like, I'm not even putting any effort into my fifth day. It's shit. And I never want to be here, but I'm showing up. Why am I doing this dumb shit? So as soon as I went back to four days, my effort, my intensity, my everything is so much better. And on that note with the cardio as well, it's instead of adding more cardio because fat loss, again, look to your lifestyle, less fatiguing, just go out for more walks. Like there are other ways that you can boost your fat loss results without adding in extra fatiguing cardio. When you need to, yeah, that can help. But the last thing you want to do is add something more fatiguing to the fact that diets and fat loss in itself is very fatiguing. But we're trying to we're trying to make you realize that it actually is so much easier if you build the muscle first, if you spend more time away from dieting, because it is very rare, just like you mentioned with the volume stuff, it is very rare to find someone who has not been in a chronic weight loss mindset. Like who comes to us saying that, okay, I've been focusing on building for this long. I need to go into a weight loss phase. Like, no, everyone, a dieting phase, but everyone's been so focused on, I have this fat to lose. I'm not happy with where my body is. I'm working my ass off. Just because your body isn't where you want it to be doesn't mean that weight loss is the answer. It's about building. And I guess this phases into such an important topic and that's how building phases don't mean you're going to get bulky and fat if you do it right and with this bring in the importance of protein and carbs which everyone seems to be scared of and how again ditch the scales because it's going to go up when you're not in a diet and how carbs and glycogen and full stomach leak into that yeah i i wanted to hit on one thing you said too about the building it's like i I also feel like this is kind of a misconception with building is that like, I think people like automatically think they're going to be like that it's a bulking phase. And so they're going to gain a bunch of body fat, but, uh, and you know, I don't know, I don't really know Jeremiah's thoughts on this fully, but I feel like also like you can use this phase too, as like a way to like a building phase, like build up your metabolism too. Right. Like it doesn't necessarily just have to be like, Hey, we're going into a surplus. We're going to uh, gain all this weight. Right. Like, like you said, it can also be, we're just building up your body rather than like, breaking it down, which that's what this prototypical person is always doing. Right. So like kind of changing your mindset of the building phase from like, Hey, Oh, it's going to be a phase where I gained a bunch of weight to, okay, I'm just building up my body, right. Adding more muscle, um, and increasing my metabolic rate, whatever it may be. Again, it doesn't just have to be like adding weight. So, um, I, I want people to realize that too, because I think it gets a misconception that, Oh, it's, it's automatically a, a surplus, but to go off of what you said, I think you asked uh, specifically about like protein and carbs and the, the importance of that. Right. And also how you're not going to get bulky and fat if you do things right, because you are going to feel fuller in your clothes and clothes are going to feel tight because you're training harder, muscle glycogen, fuller stomach. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're definitely not, if you do it right. And that, this is too, where like a lot of people don't want to, and I, I fell into this and Jeremiah is my coach and he, you know, his, his kept me, kept me accountable to tracking during the building phase. And that's probably the biggest change that I made from my previous building phases to this is like, you know, people don't want to, gain weight, but then they also don't want to like track during their building phases. Right. And it's like, that's a huge mistake because it's so easy. It's so hard to like get within that range, you know, where like you could fall short where then now you're not eating enough. And then it's like, well, now you're not really doing a building phase. And then you could take it too far where 
you know, now, okay, you don't want to track, that's fine, but now you could be overshooting regularly and now you're going to be gaining a bunch of body fat, right? Because we know the quicker you gain weight, you know, more that's probably going to be um, fat compared to muscle. You still gain some muscle, but it's going to be a little bit more body fat than you would want. So, you know, to me, the thing there is, you know, gain it at a, it a, it a, it a much like slower rate, right? Like make sure you're just not gaining much weight. That's one way to, to kind of lower um, make sure you don't gain a bunch of uh, extra body fat, but uh, also, yeah, like you said, make sure you're getting your, your protein in. Um, I think, you know, I think the recommendation there is one, around one gram per pound of body weight. Um, I don't know if, do you guys do kilos in Australia? Is it kilos? Yeah. 2.2 recommend- grams per kilo. Yeah. 2.2. It's like, yeah, right around there. I think. Yeah. Um, so that's super important. And, and protein is going to, you know, obviously help you uh, build muscle and maintain muscle. It also does a good job of keeping you feeling just like satiated throughout the day, which is probably a little bit more uh, beneficial for in a fat loss phase, but it still is nice to get full from what you're eating anyways, even in a building phase. Um, but it also does kind of increase your metabolic rate slightly too, right? It has the highest thermic effect of food. I don't know the exact number in terms of what it actually increases it by. It's not going to be like hundreds and hundreds of calories, but it's going to be a little bit, right? Um, but as far as carbohydrates go, I mean, those are going to be super important for recovery and as well as, as training, right? I think if you go low cal or low carbohydrate, you're just, you're going to have a tough time performing in your workouts. You're not really going to be able to do that higher ish volume of training that you're going to want to do to, to build muscle. Um, you know, you're just not going to like, one thing that I've changed my mind on with building phases is like, so like training is so important. I feel like during them. Right. And so like, you want to make sure you're fueled up for your training. So, uh, making sure you're getting enough carbohydrates there. Um, and, and yeah, just really just making sure you're fueled for your, your training. And they also do help with recovery too. Right. I mean, um, you know, that it also spares using protein for what it is meant to be used for, which is to obviously, you know, um, build and maintain your muscle. So making sure you get an adequate amount of carbohydrates, I think is, is super important. I, w- I would say there, I don't know, Jeremiah, what your thoughts are, but I think at the very minimum, at the very minimum, you want to be doing at least one gram per pound of body weight, if not probably a little bit more during a building phase. So, um, I'll hand it over to you there. You, yeah. Wait, I've one seen... gra- wait, wait, one, one gram per pound. That's at least I said, at least as a minimum, right? Like I don't, I, that's probably a little bit low for some people. Um, so that would be 2.2, right? Uh, it would be 2.2. Yeah. I usually the say numbers? three grams per kilo. So I think that's like 1.3 or something. But Yeah, I probably think, a little bit, yeah. I just wanted to add something onto the fats note because you didn't mention fats. Something as well to keep in mind, I know that Brandon talks about this a lot as well, but fat gets stored as fat first. And something I heard from Roderick Chavez ages ago is, the fat that you eat that gets stored in your ass. But <laughs> it's like you need to like pick carbs as your preferential fuel source because that's going to fuel your energy through the day as well, especially as a busy mom, for example. But also I want Jeremiah to bring into this as well the importance of keeping your steps up. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to touch on the carb thing a little bit more, the numbers I've heard um, Jackson Kios discusses this a little bit and I know he puts out like, I don't know the specific research he pulled this from, but I know the numbers he put out there were about 1.5 grams per pound of body weight, kind of like our minimum threshold for like, okay, performance is probably pretty good here. If you're someone that's training very hard, it's probably closer to about 1.8 grams per pound of body weight, which I would say like from what I've seen, that holds pretty true. I know like, at least for me and for most clients, once we get closer to about one gram per pound of body weight of carbs, or this is so hard to convert to kilograms, but let's, well, that'd be 1.1 gram per kilogram. Did I do that right? No, I didn't. It's, it's the three to, it's the three to four that I said. 
Stay three. Okay, got you. Okay, anyways, I'll, I'll stop trying to convert because that's hella confusing. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, if we look at your body's energy systems, if we look at the energy systems that we're using for training, a lot of that's going to be your anaerobic lactic energy system. Like when we're talking about training for hypertrophy, which is going to be fueled by carbohydrates, right? So you have to understand if you're doing, if you don't have adequate carbs coming in, you are literally going to be like, it's kind of like, like, Hey, I'm driving a diesel truck and I'm trying to just, I don't know. Well, let's, let's actually go with an electric car. And I'm like trying to run it off a of diesel, right? You like just literally don't have the right kind of fuel for the way that you want to train. So we're going to struggle to perform at the level we need to do with muscle if we don't have enough carbs. Um, steps is it steps is an interesting one when it comes to because i know like again we've talked about brandon a lot on this podcast and we have like the high energy flux side of things where we're basically moving more and eating more that's probably going to yield better health outcomes we're probably going to have better insulin sensitivity which in turn is going to help improve our nutrient partitioning so we're probably going to be gaining a little bit more muscle tissue a little bit less fat similarly from that perspective i mean especially like if we're getting a little bit deeper into our nutrient timing and we are timing a large amount of our carbs around when we're training, when we are more insulin sensitive, we're, we're going to, we're probably going to better partition those nutrients and gain. I don't know, know, know if necessarily more muscle, but probably less fat than if we weren't as good with that. And also like, as you referred to, it probably is going to be a little bit harder for our body to store carbs as fat versus uh, as fat. Um, and then with steps, I mean, again, for overall health, like hitting, a decent threshold of steps is going to be important. Um, I would much rather for most people, us like again, keep us in this place where we're like eating more and moving more versus like, Hey, we're in a building phase, but we still really can't push calories that high. We can't push carbs specifically that high because you're just so sedentary. So thus we're not able to build as much tissue or you're still not feeling that well fueled because again, we're so sedentary. So I really like to pull that lever from that point. Um, I'll say personally, like, I don't necessarily push a client's steps extremely high in a building phase. Like I, it's rare that I, I'd be interested to hear you guys' take on this. Cause I also like to base a lot of it on, Hey, what for you as a client is realistic. And there is some people where it's like, Hey, I understand like how it would be helpful for me to do 12 to 15 K steps per day. But like I have kids, I have so much going on. I just can't realistically make that happen. So I like to like also base that on the client, but especially if we're getting too far below, like, 6k per day then that's really where it's almost most everyone it's like hey we can for sure make this happen if we just create a little bit more structure a little bit more routine to your day and like you understand how to like take advantage of these opportunities to get in a little bit more movement um the for fat loss i will say i do focus on steps quite a bit more than i do in a building phase but i think this question was specific to building phases right yeah building phases and also bringing that whole you are gonna feel more fluffy Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I have any additional thoughts there actually. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take over real quick. I, uh, sorry, Ruby, did you have something you want to say? I, it looked like you were about oh, to no, say no, something. I'll let you, I'll let you take it. I, I agree with Jeremiah. I think you definitely don't. And this is one thing that we've changed uh, with, with my uh, building phase two is like definitely getting in more steps regularly. That was one thing that I probably got, I'd let slip a little bit. Cause like my thought was like, I don't want to eat a ton to have to gain weight, but you know, as like you look at the research and like anything under, like you said, like 6,000 just isn't great for overall health. And I mean, to be honest, like if it's not great for overall health, is it really going to put you in the best position to build muscle? Probably not. Right. So I think definitely, like you said, finding that, you know, at least making sure you're getting six to 10 K, but like you said, I think anything more than that, if like somebody can't do, like you definitely don't 
need to push steps any, any more than that, um, in a, in a, in a building phase. But as far as like feeling fluffy though, uh, I know that was one thing you asked too. You definitely, yeah, you're definitely not going to feel your leanness, uh, in a building phase, but that's okay. Because I also feel like you feel way better, um, overall too. Right. Like I do think you get, again, if you do this controlled, you probably won't get to this point, but you may get a point where you get a little uncomfortable and, and, and that's, you know, I think that's different for everybody, but you also like, you're doing something that like, I, I feel like to go somewhere new, you have to get a little bit uncomfortable. So like you are going to feel a little uncomfortable, but like at the same time, I also think that you feel better overall because you're not in this like super depleted state, like going through building phases and like fat loss phases, there are distinct feelings that you feel in each one, right? Like you just feel like towards the end of the fat loss phase, you just feel like, ugh, you just feel like crap, like just low energy, like training sucks. And I feel like that's where people are at all the time. They get so used to feeling that way. And it's like, that's not like, you don't want to feel that way. Right. Whereas like you go to building phase. Yeah. You're going to feel a little bit more fluffier, but I feel like overall as a whole, you're going to feel much better, right? Like your training is going to be much better. You're just going to have like more energy in general. Like to me, that's worth the trade-off. Right. And just, you know, realize too, that like most people don't like what you see on the internet is not how people look all the time. Right. Like I've, I've done photo shoots. Like a lot of people have done photo shoots, like I'll post those pictures and that's not how I look all the time. Right. Like that's a very distinct period of time that I was lean like that. The rest of the time it's like, you know, it's more, you know, you have a little bit more body fat on and yeah, you may not look your best, but I feel like you're going to feel much better. Um, especially if it's in a controlled way as well. So, and I think, I think, I think we don't, we overlook, uh, the feelings of, of how we act. Like we overlook our feelings and how we feel overall. And we, sometimes focus too much on how we look rather than like, if you feel good like that, you can't like overlook that. Right. Like that's super important in this journey. I want to bring in my experience with this as well, just because females can probably relate to this. It's when you've been so used to being told to eat less or always in a dieting phase, or you got like, you lost a whole bunch of weight to start with. And now you're scared to lose that progress. or you're scared to go back or you did you, you smashed yourself through a dieting phase and it felt like torture. And it's like, I don't trust myself to lose weight again. I don't trust myself to put myself through a fat loss phase again, because it's going to be so hard. And I love food too much and I'm food obsessed and I want to eat all the foods, but it's like, it's because you spent so long of a time being so restricted and deprived that you're not fat doing it again. But if you spend enough time building, which I've been pushing myself through and it was really hard to push myself to eat a lot more food because it's like, okay, I have to accept that I'm feeling fuller. I need to accept that my, my, like I'm going to feel more fluffy, but that's just all in your head. And I feel like a lot, I, I don't really use the scales. I don't care about the scales in that sense, but I feel like a lot of women start off with this attachment to the scale where numbers and body image and all that stuff is all that ever comes about. And especially if you did your fat loss phase wrong and you were so aesthetic focused, you were so outcome focused that you didn't change your identity in the process. It's almost like when you're trying to build, it's never really going to happen because your body image is never about the body. It's about the mindset behind it and your perception of it from the inner, like from inside of you. So it gets harder to push that further. But like Jeff said, it is going to get harder. You are going to feel fuller. Muscle weighs something. Training harder in the gym is going to increase the scale weight a shit ton because now you have blood in your muscles. 
you have water with the carbs and the carbs are shunted into the muscles more. Like there are so many things that people don't realize impact the scale, which is why it's such a shitty measure in the super acute sense and the chronic sense. And if you've attached yourself so heavily to that before, it's ridiculous to try to keep that as part of the process moving forward if you have such a negative relationship with it. Because I do see people like coaches and I know you guys do it as well, but I do see a lot of pushing of, no, you need to weigh yourself, but you guys work with the client. A lot of coaches don't do that because they're not actual coaches. They're people who get signups, not clients. And people who do these massive 12 week challenges to get signups. And the only way that you can actually get your progress through that is check in with me once a week, make sure you do your scales, your photos, the end. Like there's no communication between that. So then all you are is a number on the scale. All you are is a before and after photo. And then that becomes your whole meaning of progress. So you don't really know how good you feel until you start to feel good. And then you can start to chase that feeling. But because we're getting close to the end, I really want to talk about why it's so important to have a coach, especially not dieting, even more so when dieting, because like Jeff said, you get in your head and also the different phases of training, because sometimes when you're doing a strength workout, you feel like you have more in the tank. You feel like you're not depleted. When you stop doing the junk volume, when you stop doing the dumb shit that kept you stuck before, which kind of makes sense to stop doing what you did before because it didn't get the results that you want, you know, like, yeah. But when you stop doing all the old feelings that you had, you're going to have new feelings that don't equate to, hey, I'm stuffed. Hey, I'm burnt out. Hey, I'm sweating a fuck ton. Hey, my watch says this much calories burn, which is completely inaccurate. But I'll let you lead into that. Jeremiah. Yeah, um, I'll take it away. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, within that, there's definitely a lot to unpack there. So with the different, so is the question mostly around it, then like the different phases of training? Different phases of training and the value of having a coach in all the phases. Okay, yeah. Per se. yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, first to touch on the value of having a coach, I think that's such an important piece where I think so many people think like, I want to hire a coach for fat loss. And almost always like the same person has successfully lost weight in the past multiple times, right? So it's typically for most people, not necessarily like, hey, you don't know how to lose fat, but it's, hey, you had a problem maintaining this in the past, right? So you don't just need like a macro coach to tell you your macros for this 12-week cut. You need someone that can actually teach you how to turn this into a lifestyle that you can sustain long-term. We're through like these times when you fall off track, which is honestly normal after a fat loss phase. Like it's, people are rarely perfect as soon as we're done with fat loss and like that's okay right but i think so many people like literally need coach through practicing like the skill of maintenance as you said earlier ruby is kind of an identity shift where there has to be like it can't just be hey i committed to being really fucking hungry for 12 weeks and then i'm just gonna go back to what i was doing before which is what the approach so many t- people take it is like hey your entire lifestyle does have to change if you want to maintain this result like we want it to be as realistic and sustainable as possible but it does have to be different right so for most people like that's one of the things that they actually need coach through the most, right? So I think there's so much value in not just having a coach for fat loss, but especially if you struggle to maintain in the past, having a coach for a solid period of time after that. And very similarly for a building phase, um, honestly, I think for most people, adding a significant amount of muscle is going to be harder than adding a significant amount 
or losing a significant amount of fat, right? Where the reality is if we look at like fat loss, I don't want to like make it sound easy necessarily, but if we have your protein in check, if we have your calories in check, you can lose fat, right? Now, like there's a lot more variables to that that we apply, but within that, um, of course, like for the best body composition, there's a lot more factors that we can go with that. But like as a whole, like fat loss is relatively simple. Whereas like when it comes to building muscle, especially like once you made your newbie gains past that point, there's so much with, Hey, are you in the right amount of volume? Are you training hard enough? What's your intensity like, right? Like, are we training in a smart manner? Are you fueled properly going into that training session? Are you recovering from that training session? Are you managing lifestyle stress outside of this? Are you getting enough sleep? Like there's so many, I feel like that process is so much more complex than fat loss. And especially like if it's your first, if you're past those, like, that newbie gains phase where like most anything works for a few months, that's when like you can benefit so much. Like it's already going to be a slow process. It's going to be so much slower if you're like stumbling through or trying to figure it out on your own versus if you just have someone to guide you through it at least once you can expedite that process and make it so much quicker. So I think that's such an important thing before we dig into the training phases. Do you guys have anything to add there? No, I agree. I think, I think like basically just Jeremiah said, I mean, honestly, building muscles probably a lot tougher than, fat loss is, is to lose and fat is to lose. So, um, I just, I pretty much disagree with everything he says. I don't have anything extra to add on to that. I, I have one thing to add and then I have a comment. Um, that's like the thing that you said is especially important to realize because as soon as you do things the right way and you shift your mindset and your identity, because you can commit physically a hundred percent to something. I've had a couple of girls do that before, but you can never get results until you mentally commit to it. This was for a fat loss phase. Like she was committed to trying to maintain weight, but her mindset was still in dieting. Like you need to mentally commit to the phase that you're in mentally and physically. And then you'll realize now that you've got guidance through it and you have a coach pushing you through it and you can actually get the potential unleashed out of you, you're going to start wanting more. And then you're going to keep chasing more. And then you'll probably want to stay with the coach because you're seeing how much it's leaking into every other area of your life. And that's where the lifestyle stuff Jeremiah said comes in. And that's the most important thing for you to realize, like zoom the fuck out, stop focusing. Like that's exactly what people always focus on. Just like, I need to lose weight. Let's just focus on the food. How about the lifestyle? That plays the biggest factor in it all. And if it was as simple as, food and training and fat loss and building everyone would get the body that they want but they don't they're still stuck because they're not looking at all the other stuff that impacts the food and the training and your consistency with it and i kind of blame all the flashy shit out there and facebook groups oh facebook groups but that's pretty much what i was touching on and then the comment was when i made a comment or a post and i mentioned that as soon as you spend enough time building muscle fat just gets melted off. But obviously that's like a euphemism, like in an analogy. And then they're like, fat doesn't just melt off. You have to put in a lot of effort to diet. I'm like, that's not the point I was saying. So take that with you, Jeff. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I feel like, yeah, definitely fat loss is way easier than, than muscle is to gain. And like, and, and like, it is so slow. So it, it is very important to have a coach during that time, because I feel like it's so easy to like, not really think you're progressing. And so like, you almost need that accountability, like during that time, because it is so easy to get in your head and think things aren't 
progressing. And, you know, they, if you're not doing things consistently and sticking with them, they very well may not be progressing, but again, that's even more reason to, to grab a coach, right. To just really kind of talk you through that and like, just kind of, uh, you know, just, just kick you into gear and make sure that you're staying on top of, of, of it, because it, it's so easy. I feel like to get in that trap of like, if you did it on your own to gain for a little bit, get in your head, like, Oh, I don't feel as lean as I did before. Now I need to cut again. And then you just end up in the same place. Right. So again, having that coach during that time, I just feel like is, is just super important. Hopefully I answered your question there on that. Yeah, pretty much. And the different phases of training, I was going to let Jeremiah kind of touch on that one as well. Cause I know that you talked about that quite a lot with like the neuro versus metabolic. Hey, you're muted. Why is he on mute? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I have a cough, so I'm muting myself. But yeah, honestly, my viewpoint has changed almost quite a bit, even in the last like six ish months, where I'll say, like, with the different phases of training, honestly, my approach now is keep high people in hypertrophy as much as possible. With now, keep in mind, like, the clients that we work with, they're very much focused on. I, if someone comes to me and it's like, all right, I want to be the best CrossFitter possible. Okay, cool. I'm going to refer you to someone else. Or I want to be the best power lifter. Cool. I'm going to refer you to someone else. If someone says like, Hey, I want to do some combination of losing fat and building muscle. Cool. Okay. We're the coaches for you. So within that, um, honestly, I, I mean, I'd be interested to hear your approach here, Ruby, but like from working through like all the last year and a half of applying a lot of different phases of training where we're constantly transitioning from like neuro to hypertrophy to metabolic both with myself and with clients more and more at least from my perspective i still think it just makes the most sense to let's spend as much time as possible in hypertrophy with our main goal being hypertrophy and then when we get to the point where either a um it seems like maybe we benefit from a time of pulling back volume and kind of resensitizing you to this so i'd say like maybe every six ish months. Yeah. Like transitioning out of that may be beneficial or I think like a neural phase or like a strength phase is beneficial for clients when clients struggle with understating how strong they actually are. Very similar to what we talked about before. Like when clients struggle with actually like training with the appropriate intensity, there's something about approaching this with like, Hey, this is a neural phase where our goal is literally for you to just lift heavy ass weights. We're going to be using slightly lower rep ranges than before. We're going to be resting for long periods of time. And we just want you to push very challenging loads. We want you to push yourself weekly here. Something about that, there's a lot of power to that that really seems to help people push themselves further. Um, so that's been something that's beneficial. And then deeper in fat loss phases, I found again, like working like in a more like strength specific. And when I say neuro, I'm still talking like we're probably compounds are probably going to be like four to seven reps. Most of the time, maybe we'll occasionally dip down to three reps and most isolation work is still going to be like six to eight reps most of the time. So even then it's not like necessarily like this isn't a hypertrophy program. Um, but still we're like working in slightly lower rep ranges. And what I've found in that case is people can like when we're getting deeper into fat loss to the point where, Hey, we probably can't continue to build new muscle tissue during that time where it's still going to be an adequate stimulus to maintain tissue, which sometimes, and like, I'm talking here more specific to like a more advanced client that's getting extremely lean. So I think also the context there is important. I don't think this is quite as specific, quite as important for like, Hey, I'm in my first one to two years of training and also like going through fat loss. Right. But like in a context like that, then we can still see the client like making neurological gains. We know they're probably not actually adding muscle tissue, but it's something that can be more motivated for the client because they're seeing more progress week to week. But honestly past that, like my approach to this has shifted quite a bit to where it's like, 
still, I'm going to try to keep people in hypertrophy as much as possible and then only throw those other phases in when needed. But I'd be interested here if you have a different approach there, Ruby. So with the way that I do things, because a lot of clients do start out in where they don't know how strong they are. So they usually start off in pretty much the exercise choices and the rep ranges are usually above 10 reps. And that's where I usually start out. And then I sort of taper that down to the eight to 10. And then when I get, when I approach a neuro phase, which is more of a strength phase, that's when the first half of the session, as in like the first two, three exercises, maybe four are in the, Hey, let's do five to eight reps for these things. And then the end of it is where I usually accumulate the volume and get them getting the hypertrophy stimulus from that. But it also take like they don't want to push themselves. So usually the interim with that is doing pyramid sets where you're doing like 15, 12, 10, 8 or 12, 10, 8, 6 or 10, 8, 6. And then sometimes just like a 5 or a 4 just so they can try to push out that extra rep and then it's like try to bring that 4 rep weight now to the 6 rep weight because I bet you can actually do it if you pushed yourself to get that six reps with that same weight. So it's teaching them to actually push themselves. But then at the same time, knowing that because you just went from 10 plus reps and doing volume work to now focusing on strength in different exercises, it's normal to not feel the pump the way that you did with like a barbell row now that you're doing like a deadlift or the pump with like the, 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 leg press or leg extensions now that you're doing a squat it's like I don't feel this in my glutes or quads like that's because it's a whole body movement you're training a movement not a muscle unless you're trying to make it specific to like a glute squat but it's knowing that not every phase is meant to bring the same feeling and just because you feel like you're smashing yourself with the higher volume and the higher reps doesn't mean you're getting the most benefit from that because you do need to teach your body to lift heavier loads and you do need to push yourself with those heavier loads with the sets that you got instead of thinking, hey, I did my four times five or four times eight or my three times five and I feel like I can do another set and another set. It's like you're kind of getting the wrong stimulus to what we actually intended with this exercise and you're probably not going to lift as much as you probably can next week because now you just added to your recovery debt. <laughs> so, yes, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I know Jeremiah, did you have to, did you have to hop off? I know you, you had a call. Uh, I apologize guys. I have to dip here and hop on my next call, but thank you guys so much for having me. This was a great conversation. I will let you two wrap it up, but for the listeners, hopefully you take some value from this and I'm excited to do another one of these with soon with you guys. Yep. Cool, Jeremiah. Thanks, man. See you guys. Hey, yeah. So real quick, I'll, I'll just kind of go over like uh, phases. Are you kind of asking me like the phases that I'll have clients kind of go through for, for hypertrophy too, for muscle it's, growth? Yeah. It's pretty much realizing that when you're yep. into a phase, there are different things that come with it. And we spoke about it on the last podcast with Jeff, if you go and listen to that, where sometimes you're okay. A deadlift is a great exercise, but staying married to like certain lifts aren't always conducive to when you're wanting to build up the volume because now you're so fatigued from deadlifts. Like I know, for example, on my deadlift day, when I have heavy deadlifts and not a, like a variation of them, like I do with my pause deficits, 
but I'm so freaking fatigued that the rest of my session is half ass. There is no way that I'm going to get as much stimulus from the rest of that session with that deadlift. Whereas if I did like a leg press or like a Smith machine, something. Yeah, no, I mean, exercise selection, certainly, you know, like, like you said, you definitely don't want to be married to some of these exercises. Like I, I used to do, you know, all these like deadlifts and squats and stuff like that for, for powerlifting, but it's like, you know, and you'll build a good amount of muscle with that, with that type of training. Right. For sure. Um, but the issue with those is like, you know, the volume is tough to get up with some of those exercises then something like the deadlift. It's like, it's almost like a master of master of not or Jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like it does a lot of different things, but it, but it doesn't like, you know, really hit one muscle group, right? It's great for strength, but it's going to, you know, hit your erector. It's going to hit some hamstrings, it's going to hit some glutes, um, going to hit some, some, you know, back like, and so like, it just does a lot of different things. And so like, it doesn't really get good at like one thing. And so like, it's not a terrible exercise for muscle growth, but I definitely think you can like, you know, you're going to want to find some exercises that really hammers one, one muscle group as you get a little bit more advanced. Right. I think that that becomes more important. So yeah, that's certainly like exercise selection, I think is it can get overplayed, but I also think that it, it is important too. Right. Cause you could be, and I think the other mistake you can make with exercise selection too, is like potentially doing like the same over and over again, like kind of doing redundant exercises as well. I think that's the, the other mistake you'll see there is like people do the same thing over and over again too. Um, the same type of movements, right? Like they'll do like a, a bench press and then they'll do like a, um, you know, maybe like a, a, a flat chest press and then they'll do an incline press and then they'll do a fly and then they'll do like a cable chest press, you know, like they'll just do like so many different, like very, it's just like, you don't need to do that many, right? Like you, I think you just need one and then move on to another exercise that hits something a little bit different, right? Maybe you do something that's like a flat press and then you do something that's like a little bit more inclined, or maybe it's a flat and then it's like a fly movement type, type of thing, right. For, for the chest. So just make sure too, you're not doing like redundant exercises, like five different variations of a pull down and a workout. Like, do you really need to do that? Right. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that I brought up like in my last story. But a lot of people feel like because they're fatiguing the shit out of a muscle group, it is going to grow more. But it's almost like the whole thing that we spoke about with fat loss, like the same with building. You can't force feed or force train muscles to grow. There is only so much that you can build, which is exactly why fat loss is much easier if you do it the right way and you don't friggin' extreme diet yourself and then lose a shit ton of muscle. But when you approach phases strategically, again, the power of having a coach, it becomes so much easier for you to not only get the results, but keep them and get that body that you want, which is what Jeremiah spoke about at the beginning. When you come to us with not the body that you want, but you feel like weight loss is the answer, which is what Jeff said as well. So I guess tying it up, we like don't just look at the food that you're eating or weight loss as the answer and don't just look at the training you're doing and the feeling of that training as the answer. You have to zoom out and question whether what you're saying is actually true, realistic, and like, yeah, feelings can feel amazing when you're feeling like smashed and whatever else, whether it's pushing yourself into a diet phase and thinking that the harder you push it, the better because you're suffering. Like either way, you need to bring reality to the situation. So with that, I'm going to let you sum up, guess, both of your arguments and we'll end it back. 
Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, if you are somebody who struggles with, uh, you know, you, you, you keep leaning out, you're not satisfied with, with where you're at. Like, I think it's important that, you know, you definitely check yourself, check your training, like make sure your training is in check. Like, are you kind of like you said, are you training more towards like just the feeling of, of working hard? And um, is it more like cardio based? Right. And again, that's, it's not that that training's bad. It's just for what you're trying to do. It's just not the most conducive to do that. Right. So I think that's where people get that, that screwed up. They just, they mistake that like working hard and like doing something is enough. And again, that is part of the equation, but you do want to make sure that the stimulus you're you're sending is uh, compatible with, with what you're actually trying to do. Right. And again, for people that are trying to change the way they look, you know, just, just look better overall, you know, that type of training, usually nine, 99.9% of the time is, is the type of training that we've been talking about throughout. Right. Also, I think it's super important for this person to, um, and it's, this is easier said than done, but take time away from fat loss dieting. Again, your body adapts to what you're doing to it. And if you keep dieting for fat loss, your body is going to adapt to that. And it's going to find ways to just keep like being more efficient with, with the little amount of energy you give it, right? Like just keep pushing that further and further is, is not the answer there. You have to take time out of, uh, um, a fat loss phase. And again, this is where, you know, if, if you really struggle with that, you know, we talk about the value of a coach as well, right? Like that's super important. Make sure you, this might be, you might need to grab that coach during that time to help you stay on track with that and, and, and stick with it, because that's going to be the biggest thing for you. I, I feel like for this person mentally, it's, it's going to be a challenge to make that switch, but Again, it is going to make the greatest change in your physique. Um, you know, I can I can use an example here real quick of, of this. My my fiance, she uh, you know, is she she's into to working out and like she's always kind of been in that fat loss mindset, right? And it was always, you know, on and off of like she was off, she wasn't tracking anything, then it was always okay, now into fat loss, right? And the training was always like kind of high intense type stuff, you know, more cardio based. And um, you know, we switched her more to like uh you know, she's training four days a week, staying consistent there. Cause that's super important, right? Staying consistent. Like you were kind of saying, I think you mentioned at one point in this, uh, like, you know, people will skip out and like not stay consistent with their training, right? Like that's super important to the staying consistent. She's consistent, but I also talked her out of doing fat loss and actually going to just maintenance and like working on that. And like, she's seen such a like large, big change in her physique by doing that. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to, to bring up an example there. And again, it's not an easy switch and it may take you a little bit of time, but I feel like it's the best thing you can do for long-term success. And also realize too, if you keep trying to go for weight loss, I feel like, again, you're going to get in that point where you just, your body adapts to it and you're just going to kind of have uh, this slow metabolism, right? Um, your, your metabolic rate is going to be much slower. And that is very hurtful in today's world because of the abundance of processed foods and those processed foods are easy to easy to get. And they come with a lot of calories, right? Easy to overeat. And it's just easy to be sedentary. So like, if you do have a slower metabolism, you are kind of like hurting yourself with the modern, the modern environment that we, that we live in. So that's kind of my summary of, of everything. I don't know if there was anything else that I missed or anything like that. No, I love that. And I think we didn't actually touch on that enough. So that's a really good thing for you guys to leap to go away with, with the fact that it is, powerful to have a high energy flux lifestyle because as soon as you start doing more your body starts demanding more and then you'll start needing to burn more but in all of that you're going to feel so much better because your body is just thriving on a higher energy state you're going to have a lot more buffer room for you to enjoy weekends for you to enjoy times out obviously you're not going to go free for all because that can sabotage your progress whether it's building or losing fat but you're just going to feel a lot more into the lifestyle with the identity and the mindset as well. So never, ever negate that. But with that, I thank you and Jeremiah for coming on. It was actually such an amazing in-depth chat. So 
listen to yep. this twice, take some notes, and I'm going to leave Jeff's and Jeremiah's Instagram bios below, Jeremiah Bear and Jeff H91 underscore. Yes. So, um, <laughs> but go go check out their posts go check out the posts that I put up on this as well because it is something that holds 95% of people back because you're consuming the wrong information and you will always consume things that confirm your bias so yeah with that no, that's a good point and, and yeah thank you for having us on too uh yeah it was a great chat and uh, re- yeah really appreciate you asking us to come on here so thank you Yay. I can't wait to get this out it will be out in three weeks so yeah awesome thank you all right ruby you're still recording